Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Been some amazing things going on the last couple of years that are really astounding. In 2014 and 2015, there were, there were four blood moons. And, and here's, here is the interesting thing. Every one of these blood moons took place on a major Jewish holiday spoken about in Scripture. Okay? April 15th, 2014, Passover. October 8th, 2014, the Feast of Tabernacles. But then right around 2015, April 4th, 2015, Passover. September 28th, 2015, the Feast of Tabernacles. Is that amazing? Now, if you're wondering about the difference in the dates, it's because these feasts are scheduled on the Hebrew calendar. And the Hebrew calendar is a lunar calendar. It, and and it, it goes on 360 days. And it goes from the evening to the morning. Remember? Genesis chapter 1. And the evening and the morning was the first day. And the evening and the morning was the second day. God doesn't count days like you and I count days. Because we're on, we're on a solar calendar 365 days a year. That's why you see the, the, the difference in the dates. That's, that's stunning. But, but that wasn't all. June 30th of that year of 2015 and July 1st of 2015 what do we have the Bethlehem star appeared now this picture is taken on elm going west before you get to to uh, 10th street I took this picture of the conjunction of Jupiter and Venus now, what was amazing, I mean, the, this, this conjunction happens on a regular basis. What made this one special is, is this was the closest that they had been possibly since the conjunction on the night Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And there are many scholars that believe that this was the first time they had shown as one in this close of a conjunction since that night 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yes. It's, it's just startling stuff, right? It doesn't stop there. Because of course, I mean, we're all really aware. We've been having some really weird things this year, right? We, we, had, we had a 100-year full solar eclipse that went coast to coast in the U.S. for the first time in 100 years. Last time that happened was 1918 when it was visible coast to coast. Okay, What kind of amazed me with that whole thing was how many thousands and thousands of people came to Oregon to see it and it lasted, what, seven minutes? Anyway, it's, they, they do strange things. Record hurricane season. This is a record hurricane season. Already in 2017, there have been 12 storms, six of those hurricanes 
three of those major hurricanes. A major hurricane is three and higher on the scale. A a normal year is 11 storms the whole season, six hurricanes the whole season, three major hurricanes the whole season. And we got, we got some already brewing right now that they're thinking are going to end up being another major hurricane brewing in the Atlantic right now. It's, it's amazing, folks. I mean, this is, this is just stunning. And then right on the heels of that, right? Right on the heels of that in Mexico, an 8.4 earthquake. Hey, what is going on? And then, look, that, that's not all. Because this week... This week, they're, they're saying that there's going to be this really strange alignment in our solar system that some scholars are saying it's the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 12. Now, I'm not an astronomer, so uh, I, I don't know a lot about astrological stuff. That's, that's not my field of expertise, Okay. Uh, I've read a lot of reports on this, and uh, I look at it and I go, oh, that's interesting. That's, that's the most I can say. Well, what about theologically? I don't know how to measure this out theologically, okay? I, I know what is described in Revelation chapter 12 appears to possibly going to be aligning in, in Virgo and Leo, okay? But I don't know about you, but I have trouble looking at that stuff and seeing a woman and seeing a lion. Amen. I, I, maybe my imagination doesn't work good enough. I don't know. But at any rate, that I, 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 can, I, I can read it and go, yeah, that kind of sounds like Revelation 12. Now, here's, here's the thing. Okay? And, and here's where this is going. So is this like the end of the world? You know, because there, there, there are people that are saying, get ready, God's about to, to destroy the earth and, and this is the judgment and we need to get ready. And, and there, there, are, there are gospel preachers that are beginning and, and it's stirring up and they're like, man, get ready. And I don't know about you, but I remember back in the 1980s when this guy had put out this list of why Jesus was coming on this day and there were people foolish enough to sell their businesses and they were moving to get ready because the, the rapture was going to take place on that day and that day came and went. I mean, obviously we're all still here, right? And, and so... And I don't think I missed the rapture 30 years ago. So, been, and it's just, you know, and there's been, there's been this stuff down through the seasons. And I go, wait, 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 wait. Go to Scripture. Go to Scripture. Okay, I, I, all these things are taking place. And, and let, me give, let me give a scriptural caveat here. God said in Genesis chapter 1 when he, when he created the heavens and he put our solar system into place. He said that he gave the sun and the moon for signs and seasons, right? Literally in the Hebrew, he gave it for signals and for speaking. God speaks through the sun and the moon. Amen. 
He does. He speaks through. Go back to one, one slide for me, will you please? Thank you. He, he, he does speak through this stuff. Now, I may not be scientifically able to read it all, but I can look at Scripture and I can go, yeah, Scripture does talk about that. That's, that's interesting. And, and when you look at those four, do you really believe it's a coincidence that those four blood moons landed like they did? I can take you historically because that hasn't happened that often historically. I'll kind of give you some things. See if you can guess maybe its significance. 1492. Do you remember it from your school years? Those of you that, that are older than dirt like I am. Do you remember it from, from your school years? 1492. Columbus sailed the ocean. Yeah. Now what you didn't learn, what you didn't learn in your school history mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, what you didn't learn was that Columbus was a closet Jew. And they have found from his personal writings he indeed was a closet Jew. And, and, and King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel did not finance his, his, his making the ocean trip. It was financed by major Jewish business owners in Spain for the specific reason of looking for a new homeland for the Jewish people because King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel had commanded all Jews had to leave Spain. That's why he came west. Interesting, isn't it? That year there were four blood moons. That's interesting. Another time there were four blood moons, 1948. Hey, 1948. Another time there were four blood moons. 1967. Uh -oh. June 67. Anybody know what's going on here? God's talking. And I believe God is talking through all this stuff that we've been looking at. God is talking. But we, we, we must go to Scripture or we will get it out of balance. And we will become fearful and we'll get filled with angst and, and, we'll, and we'll do, excuse the expression, stupid stuff. Okay? Keep in balance. Let Scripture guide you. Come on. Because Jesus wasn't silent. Go with me if you've got your Holy Scriptures to Matthew chapter 24. Okay? We're, 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 in, we're in the last days of Jesus' earthly ministry before his betrayal and crucifixion. Okay? And, and Jesus is having a conversation. And Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. And it says in Matthew 24, I think it's like verse 3, that his disciples came to him. And they asked him, when will all these things take place? And what is the sign of your coming? They're asking him specifically the questions we really ought to be asking ourselves regarding all just. And by the way, these little things that I've showed you, they are, they are just a blip on the, on the prophetic screen. I could take for the next 10, 12 Sundays and I could speak to you of stuff that's going on right now that is clearly fulfilling prophetic scripture. Even as you and I are alive and breathing every day. While we're going through life in Hermiston, Almighty God is shouting at his church. 
But look at what Jesus said. When they asked that question, Jesus said, don't let anyone deceive you. For there are going to come those who are going to say, I am the Christ. Don't believe them. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And he gives this list. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be earthquakes. I mean, he he gives this whole list, but he says to them, but don't be afraid. The end is not yet. These are the beginning of sorrows. And the beginning of sorrows in the Greek literally is, these are the labor pains. Well, what happens with labor pains? We know what happens with labor pains. Right, ladies? They get closer, they get more intense, and they get closer and they get more intense. So finally they they give birth, right? Okay, what are we seeing? They're getting closer and they're getting more intense. I mean, it's bizarre. I mean, my heart absolutely grieves for the Caribbean. Man, can you imagine? Back to back, level five. I mean, think about it. Okay, we often have 100 mile an hour winds on the coast, right? We don't think anything about it. But one of the differences is, what do we have on our coast? We've got that rocky shore and it comes up and it goes right into the Cascades, right? On Florida, it's like a pancake. There's nothing. One of our pastors lives like two miles from the ocean. You know what his sea level is? Three feet. He's three feet above sea level. I mean, he's just flat. There's nothing there to stop it. Level five is 185 mile an hour winds. That's, that's un, unimaginable. But Jesus said, but listen, yeah, they're going to get close. They're going to, but listen, the end's not yet. And don't worry. These are the labor pains. Okay, okay, thank you, Jesus. In Matthew 24, go down a few verses to verse 14. The next thing he says is, and there are going to be those who will persecute you. Those are going to be those who are are going to turn against their parents even and turn them in. And the love, the natural love, the the, the Greek word there for love is not agapeo. It is is not phileo, brotherly love. It is stargos. It It is familial love. The normal love of a mother for the child, a child for the parents. Normal family love is going to wax cold in the old King James. Literally, it's going to experience rigor mortis. It's going to die. And all this is going to happen. He says this, and the gospel he preached in all the earth, then the end will come. Then the end will come. Oh, okay. And then we go down to verses 22 to 24, or 21 to 22 rather, excuse me. And there he says, and there's going to come the abomination of desolation, and then is going to come the great tribulation. Okay, so Jesus gives this really clear. So when we look at what we're looking at here, what does Scripture tell us? Oh, the end's not yet. Don't don't go living in fear. The end's not yet. We're still still seeing those birth pangs going on. 
And oh yeah, yeah, we're we're seeing the signs that Jesus said is going to, then the end will come. We're seeing that and it is growing and it's growing to a magnitude that's beyond anything I can imagine. I was talking with a clinical psychologist yesterday and we were talking and and they're they're going into ministry and and we were talking about and and their specialty is, is in marriage and family counseling. And, and my, my PhD, while well, it's an applied theologist with an emphasis on marriage and family counseling, and, and we were talking and comparing notes of my, my 40-some years of doing marriage and family counseling and what it's like today. And I'm going, you know what, I'm feeling less and less equipped to deal with, with what, because I'm older than dirt. It's what they're dealing with today. It's just, it's, it's just it's, I, I never would have dreamed that we deal with what we're dealing with today. It's just amazing to me. And one of the things that's turned dramatically is just the absolute absence of familial love. Where a mom will just go, I'm out of here. I want to go play some more. And we'll leave hubby and kids and go play. A, A husband that just thinks nothing of just abandoning kids, wife, and just... Go play. And you just go, really? Really? And, and, and it's just, it's, it's stunning to me. And, and children that just have total, almost hatred for, for, for parents. And I just, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's growing to a proportion that folks, we, we've got to step back and we've, we, we have got to recognize, yeah, we are getting near the end. But, but that's, but Jesus said, then the end will come. We're, we're not there yet. So, so what should we be doing, okay? If, if we're not, not going to just gather in a holy huddle and say, man, Jesus, come, let's get our holy huddle together. Well, come on, Jesus, we're hanging out to you. Come, come on, Jesus, come. No, that's not what he said to do. Look at what Jesus specifically said to do. The first is he said, the gospel has to go to the nations. The more intense the persecution, the more you see love failing, the more you see persecution rising, the more you see hatred rising, the more you see wickedness and evil rising, the more you see the natural disasters rising, the more you see culture coming apart, the more you've got to get the gospel out. Because the end is getting near. Get the gospel out to the nations. Don't huddle. Go to work. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, it's uh, another time when Jesus gave the parable of, of the talents. Okay, that he gives in the very next chapter, chapter 25, where he, he says, The kingdom of heaven will be likened unto um, a, a landowner that called in his stewards and he gave them assignments. And, and the, the same parable is recorded on a different occasion in Luke 19. But what is recorded in Luke 19, that's not specifically, it's inferred, but it's not specifically stated in the Matthew passage in Luke 19. He literally says in the old King James, occupy till I come. In the Greek, it is literally do business until I come. So when we're seeing all of this stuff going on, that some people are saying, man, it's in the times, we got to, you know. No, 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 no. Listen, don't 
back out in fear. Don't get into a holy huddle. Don't go in to a fetal position church. Instead, grab your tools. Grab your work belt. Come on. It's time for the church to rise up and get the job done because we don't have very many more days. It is time for the church to be exactly what Jesus Christ said his church would be. And I want to speak specifically to the young people. Because I, 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 young people look at this and, and they must go, oh, are you kidding me at the end of time? Well, I mean, but I want to get married. But I want to go to college and get a career. But I want to... Normal stuff, right? Can I say to you, get married, go to college, prepare for your career. But what if Jesus comes? Cool. All right. But don't, just because we're seeing the end get near, you don't back up. If anything, you go after it with greater intensity, with greater passion. But here's the other thing you do with it. Okay? You don't just get your natural tool belt to be a lawyer, to be a doctor, to be a computer analyst. Okay? You don't just go... All my life I've wanted to be mommy. I'm going to get married. And that's the guy right there. Go for it. But don't just be mommy. What do you mean? You're also the church. And you've got to be the church while you're doing all that stuff. You must be the church. So who's the church? Well, first of all, the church is the redeemed community, right? We're the, we're, we're the redeemed. We are the ones that have been called. Remember we said the word church, the Greek word ecclesia means to be called out, the called out ones. And in classical Greek writings, it was used of people being called out of their homes to a community meeting. But in the, in the Holy Scriptures, it, it began to be those who were called out of sin to salvation, those that have been called out of families to the, to the family of God, those that have been called out of the world into the kingdom of Almighty God. We're the called out ones. And first and foremost, we're called out to be redeemed. According as God hath chosen us, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of children. We've been called. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nick, it's not enough to be Jewish. It's not enough to be a Pharisee. It's not enough to be in the Sanhedrin. It's not enough to have the Old Testament memorized. It's not enough. You must be born again. And, 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 and Nick's trying to get his mind around that and he's having trouble with it. And Jesus said, don't you get it? Don't you get it? The Holy Spirit is going to come in you. And I, I'm not talking about a physical birth. The Holy Spirit is going to come in you and make you a new man. Because that which is born of the flesh, natural birth, is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And it's not enough 
to if you're going to make it to heaven to just have a natural birth because we are born sinners through our natural birth. But through being born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are not a sinner. We become a saint and saints go to heaven. Be born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Do what God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We're redeemed. We become a whole new creation. We're not what we once were. Hallelujah. But next, look at this. 1 Peter chapter 5. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, minister your gifts. Oh, not only are we, are we the called that are redeemed, as the redeemed, God restores us to what he had originally meant for us to be. When God created mankind, he made mankind stewards over all of his creation. But they committed high treason. We studied this last week, remember? They committed high treason. And in committing high treason, they lost their lofty position of stewardship. And instead of being the stewards, they became the servants to sin and to the powers of darkness. But now through the redeemed work of Jesus Christ, we become a whole new creation. But not only that, we are restored to stewardship that God originally designed. We now become again stewards of God's kingdom. You're not just saved so you can go to church and sit in a chair and listen to a bald-headed preacher. You're given the grace of God and he wants you to be a steward of that grace. Can you imagine that? Think about this. Natalie, tomorrow in high school, you get to take God's grace and give it away. Amen. Amen. Amazing. And you're doing that, by the way. Hey, pop up here a second. Give us, give us, give us the 30-second version. You're leading a Bible study again this year at Echo High School. Yes. How many involved? 11 or 12. 11 or 12. And what are you studying right now? Um, we're kind of just laying down the bases again. We've got a few new girls. We have some of the sixth graders coming in that are new into the junior high that are starting to come. Some are really excited. We're trying to service them so they can come to Fusion on Wednesdays. And a couple that I work for is decided that they would pay to have every girl have a Bible plus some extra in case we have any new girls come in. Pastor Natalie, you're doing really good, kid. Keep it up. Keep it up. That's awesome. Is that, ama- is that amazing? Yes. Wow. And who's the other? We got another one leading a Bible study, right? What's that? Isabel. Isabel. Isabel, are you here? Wave at me. 
She, she's not here this morning. Isabel Bonnock is leading a Bible study at Hermiston High. Isn't that awesome? Guys, listen. We're stewards of His grace. When you go to work tomorrow, you are a steward of God's grace. I want to ask you, what are you doing with it? Are you giving it away? That's right. Here's the second thing. We're not only a community of the redeemed, we're a community of the light. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. Well, how does that work? Well, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Did you catch that? Jesus Christ came to redeem us and give us light. And when he gives us light, it be, our life, it gives us light. When he gives us life, he gives us light. When we're living in sin, we're living in darkness, we're living in the kingdom of darkness. But when we are born again, we step into the kingdom of light and he gives us life and that life in us becomes light. Come on, think it through. Becomes light. Now, here's the interesting thing. It said, and the light shone in darkness. And the old King James says, and the darkness comprehended it not. Well, that comprehended, that's kind of confusing because we don't use that word in the same way. It's, 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 the etymology of the words changed a little bit. And, 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 and or... Um, the, the connotation, rather, of the word has changed a little bit. And, and we don't use comprehend in the same way it's used in that passage. In the Greek, it's literally, listen, in the Greek it is literally, and the kingdom, or, or, and the darkness could not overpower it. The darkness could not grasp hold of it. The darkness could not take it captive. The light shone in darkness and the darkness could not take it captive he tried come on he tried when the light was born in Bethlehem it had all the babies killed but it couldn't get it When when, when the light when the light began to shine kept trying to kill him Kept trying to put, tried to push him off a cliff at one time. They couldn't do it. They'd, over and over, they tried to destroy him, tried to kill him. And every time darkness tried to capture him. In the Garden of Eden, the darkness, or Garden of Gethsemane, the darkness tried to capture him, and he couldn't. Nevertheless, not my will, thine be done. And at that moment, darkness was on the way to defeat. Total and complete defeat. And because when he gave you life, his light is in you, the darkness cannot snuff out that light either. I know we fear, well, gosh, I don't want to backslide. I'm afraid of backsliding. Listen, you don't need to fear backsliding. The light in you cannot be conquered. Not unless you make the stupid decision to put out your own light. Yeah, you can do that. You can decide, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not walking this anymore. I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. And you can put out your own light. That's dumb. Yeah. 
Sorry for the rather vulgar, but that is dumb. But as long as you've got a heart, listen, I want to serve Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. It doesn't matter how much the darkness comes against you, presses against you, attacks you, throws itself upon you. Darkness will do everything it can to try and put out that light. Jesus in you is your light. His life in you is your light. And it cannot be put out. The darkness cannot capture you when you choose to walk in the light. Want a scripture? I'll give you a scripture for it. I'm glad you asked. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we know him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ keeps on cleansing us from all sin. Come on. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and hide it under a bushel. But they put it on a candle stand so it gives light to the whole room. Listen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Come on, we're the light. We're the light in this world of horrible darkness. We're the light. We're not only only the community of the redeemed and the community of the light. We are the community of the authority of God's kingdom. Upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I give you the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. Look what he's saying. When he's giving you the keys of the kingdom, it's, 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 not like, it's not like when a dignitary is given the keys to the city. You know, what, what, what they, you know the, they'll call this dignitary in and they have this big ceremony and they give them this great big key and say, we're giving you the key to the city. They don't mean it. If he goes from that meeting and he drives 60 in a 30 mile an hour zone, he is going to get a ticket. Okay, may go to jail. If he goes and gets drunk and he runs into somebody's car and destroys it, he may go to jail. He may go to the drunk tank. Come on. They don't mean it. It's a ceremony, but they don't mean it. The mayor is still the mayor. The city council is still the city council. Chief police is still chief. Come on, right? I want to tell you, when the Lord Jesus Christ, when he said, Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And I'm giving to them the keys of the kingdom. He meant it. When you were born again, and the Holy Spirit came dwelling in you, and you 
were moved from a sinner to a saint and you were adopted into the family of God and you were given the family name and you were given the earnest of your inheritance that you are now an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You were seated with Christ in heavenly places and Jesus gave you the authority of his name and he said if you ask anything in my name I will do it. If you will act in my name you will cast out devils. You will destroy the powers of darkness. The gates of hell will not be able to resist you. I give you the keys of the kingdom and you have it in your hand. Can I ask you a question? Why are you letting the devil beat you up? Why are you letting the devil just harass and oppress your family? Why are you doing that? Why are you choosing to live in poverty when the Holy Scripture says that God will give to his children the power to get wealth? Why are you choosing to live less than Almighty God says you are? Only because you don't know who you are. Listen to what Jesus said to his church. He said it specifically to the 12 disciples. Actually, they were 11 (laughs) because Judas had already betrayed him and committed suicide. And he said to them, he said, listen, he said, I'm I'm going back to the Father. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Until you, listen, until you are endued with power from on high. Literally in the Greek, it's until you put on the coat of power from on high. You can literally put on the coat of the power from heaven. Yes. Now it's recorded in a little different wording by the same author, Luke, in Acts chapter 1. You shall receive the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. For John truly, or, or excuse me, and you shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Church, church, I want you to put on the coat that will give you the power from on high. That will enable you as an ordinary person to do extraordinary things. Another word for it is anointing. Anointing is where Almighty God gives His divine power to an ordinary person that enables that ordinary person to do extraordinary things. So an ordinary person can pray for somebody and they'll be healed. 
An ordinary person can step into a situation and have facts and details about that that there's no way they could have known because they've not been there before. But the Holy Spirit gives them word of knowledge. An ordinary person can speak in a language they've never spoke before. And people that speak that language understand what they're saying. I've had that happen. I was in a service and God gave me this word in tongue. I gave the tongue. It was interpreted. After the service, this woman came up to me, tears running down her face. And she said, oh, I haven't heard Welsh since I was a little child. When did you learn Welsh? I said, I've never spoke Welsh in my life. She says, you just spoke in Welsh. I said, well, ma'am, I was speaking in tongues. I've, I've never learned Welsh. I've never spoke Welsh. You just spoke Welsh perfectly. And I haven't heard it since I was a child. I said, well, what did I say? She said, she said, you said exactly what that woman over there said. And I went to her and I asked her when she learned Welsh. And she says, she, she's never spoke Welsh in her life either. <laughs> that woman, for the first time in her life, gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ that night. See, the power from on high. It's called being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, some people say, well, we get that when we get born again, right? No, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and he's resident in you. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he comes upon you and saturates your being. So he's not only in you, he saturates your whole being. It's kind of like when we baptize people in water. We don't take them in the tank here and then have them open their mouth and pour the water into them. Do we? Huh? No. 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 We immerse them into the water and lift them out again and they're all soaking wet, right? Okay, and that's what Jesus Christ says, I want to do for you. My, my church, my church, I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I want to take your life and I want to immerse you into the Holy Spirit so that every day you live, your life is soaked in Holy Spirit and you are wearing the garment of His power so that my church operates in a supernatural power and authority that can drive out the powers of darkness everywhere they go. That's what God wants. That's who the church is. Well, we're halfway through this sermon. You guys got another hour? Stand with me, will you please? We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.